0: The scripture reading for today comes from the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he taught them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it had not much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root in it, withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and brought forth grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold and he said he who has ears to hear let him hear and when he was alone those who were about him with the 12 asked him concerning the parables and he said to them to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of god but for those outside everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn again and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path, where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word which is sown in them. And these, in like manner, are the ones sown among rocky ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure it for a while. And then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, and the delight and the riches and the desire for other things, enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown upon the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. The word of the Lord.
1: The will of color loves how light spreads through its diffusions, making textures subtle, clothing a landscape in concealment for color to keep its mysteries hidden from the unready eye. But the light that comes after rain is always fierce and clear and illuminates the face of everything through the transparency of rain. Despite the initial darkening, This is the light that failure casts, beholden no more to the promise of what dream and work would bring. It shows where roots have withered and where the source has gone dry. The light of failure has no mercy. On the affections of the heart, it emerges from beyond the personal. A weary, forthright light that likes to see crevices open in the shell of a controlled life. Though cruel now, it serves a deeper kindness, wise to the larger call of growth. It invites us to humility and to the painstaking work of acceptance so that one day we may look back in recognition and appreciation at the disappointment we now endure. I'm leaving, Carter, she said, standing there in the doorway. She had been standing there for a while before she could bear to say those words. She had imagined herself saying them many times before. Now that she finally had, there was no response. Did you hear what I said? Her voice just a bit louder than the time before. Hold on just one minute. I said, without looking up. It was some time before I finished repairing that old plow. And then I put my tools away, and that's when I remembered my wife had come in to tell me something. I wonder what she wanted. Maybe she needed some help in the kitchen. When I entered the small farmhouse kitchen, I did not find my wife of 17 years but only a wet floor and a broken vase and the wildflowers I had picked for her the day before scattered on the cracked tile floor. On the old oak table there was a note written on an old receipt. It read, This just isn't right. Her wedding ring was on top of it. For hours I sat on the front porch waiting for her to return. Outside, the wind ripped through the trees, and soon it began to rain. As I sat there in confusion and disbelief, I remember a conversation I had with my father just a few weeks before we had gotten married. What if I'm wrong about this? Father let off the slightest of smiles before saying, Just remember, son people stay married for different reasons than those they get married for. I remember that being comforting then, but now, now it was just more haunting. The past year, the past year had been hell. The farm had always been my dream, but not hers. The first few years were fine, but the farm never did make much, not much more than enough to just get by. Of course, that was enough for me, but it was never going to be enough for her. And that's the way I feel about loving her these days. I'm wondering if my efforts would ever be enough. If my love would ever be enough. It seemed right, but then something else happened. Things hadn't always been this way between us. Back in 92, we got married in the summer after we graduated from university. We had stayed there in Burlington, and I I had been a successful accountant for several years before I convinced my wife to use up our meager savings and to pursue my lifelong dream to own a farm. To get her to go along for it, I said I wanted a wildflower farm. Wildflowers, they were her favorite. We had used them in the wedding. So we moved from the largest city in Vermont to an old, rundown farm that my family had used to farm on near Franklin, just a few miles from the Canadian border. That was five years ago. Before we moved out into the farm, I spent a year at a community college learning all about agriculture. I just learned how complicated farming was, even in theory, and that and that was before I even tried anything more than my vegetable garden. I remember my teacher wisely reminding us that the same information, tools, and techniques that in one farmer's hands will ruin land, in another's will save and improve it. In those early days farming, it was a rather romantic metaphor for life. There I was living off the land, living off my own sweat. It was an amazing thing really to put seeds into the ground, to care for them tenderly over months and months, and then the harvest. The harvest was always a great joy for me. The very abundance of creation it brought great joy. And I remember once reading what Emerson had written about land, that the landscape is an armory of power. And I believed that at first, back when my connection to the newly bought farm was, well, more or less ignorant. Like a newlywed lover, my heart and my mind were full of visions and dreams for what could be. Soon... Those visions had to give way to actions. And it was in those actions, mainly the failures, that had taught me to gradually let go of my romanticism. Gradually, my love grew for what could be. And it also grew for what was already there in front of me. Here in the Gospel of Mark the parable of the sower falls between two series of healings and exorcisms. Its placement within the overall narrative of Mark is a certain kind of soil itself. While Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all share this parable, Mark seems to be using it in a rather surprising kind of way. It's as if Mark is trying to say something about just how surprising The kingdom of God is, is as if the parables Jesus uses, it's like he's trying to subvert everything we think about what the reign of God might be. The text includes this explanation, but it's as often the case, it raises more questions, I think, than it answers. So while the text is helpful, in connecting the seeds to various journeys of faith, I think it does very little to answer any questions that we might have about the sower. I mean, who is this sower? Is it God? Is it some kind of evangelistic role that we play? Is it us? Something else? And why is it that the sower is so careless with the seeds? I mean, is that extravagant love or is it misguided practice? When I heard the old grandfather clock strike midnight, I realized she wasn't coming home. I slowly made my way to the back of the house, leaving the kitchen light on and leaving that back door unlocked just in case, well, you know, Laying there in bed, staring up at the ceiling, my mind raced at a pace impossible to calm. How had it come to this? If only I had known what I know now. There were these endless things I would have done different. The times a teacher never chosen, I guess. Finally, I got out of bed and, and got on my knees beside the bed. The old wood floors under my knees were merciless, as I fumbled for the right words. Uh, God, I really don't know what I'm doing and and loving her hasn't always been, you know, easy. I guess you do know that, but it's just hard when love doesn't come back to you. But I guess you know what that's like too. But why is it? Why is it that before you realize you might be wrong, being wrong it feels it feels so much like being right do you even know what it's like to be wrong